The Art Dealer Diaries are brought to you by Medicine Man Gallery, located for over 26 years in Tucson, Arizona, specializing in antique Native American art, early Western art, including the famed Maynard Dixon, as well as modern art. You can find everything online at medicinemangallery.com. There's over 6,000 objects to select from. Also, the Charles Bloom Murder Mystery Series, written by yours truly, me, Mark Sublett. There are seven books in the series, and they follow the protagonist Charles Bloom through all the intrigue of the art world set in Santa Fe and the Navajo Nation. These can be found on Audible, eBooks, Amazon, and of course, the gallery at medicinemangallery.com. Wow, what a fun podcast it was with Kathleen Wall. Kathleen is a Hamas potter. She does these wonderful figurines and masks. Some of these are very large pieces. In fact, she just got the living treasure for New Mexico at Mayak, and she was supposed to have a one-person show for this great honor, and unfortunately it opened in April, so clearly that's been put off through 2021. But Kathleen talks about her journey as a potter and you know how she got to be uh, where she is and what it took. And it's a long, hard road to be a potter from Hamas and really trying to do things that are quite creative and unique. And she's mastered it. She really has. This is a wonderful podcast. I really enjoyed just talking to her. She's a such a vibrant individual. I think anyone who uh, loves creativity will love Kathleen Wall. Well, can we hear your okay. voice? Yes, I can hear you. Can you hear me? Who are you? I can't see you. <laughs> now I can see you. I can hear you. It all looks good. Does oh it, yeah, does what it was that food you just put away? I saw some oh, people. I had to make. I've had to tell my daughter to make me a sandwich while I got ready. It's been a hectic morning. Has it? Why has it been so hectic? Just, um, let's see, what did we do this morning? I'm a late sleeper, so I had to get up early. And <laughs> I got up at nine. What time did you get up? 10. And it wow. was like five because I couldn't do it. But anyways, I had to. Okay, so the whole world is going virtual. And I'm one of these people that just don't pay too much attention to their website. It's there. It does its uh -huh. purpose. It's people connected. Right. But now it's like, OMG, we have to really make this happen. Yeah. Today, my uh, web designer drove all the way from the other side of the Sandia Mountains to here to pick up a thumb drive with all the new information. Good, yeah. So I was going to tell you, I've been to your website. There's a few things that we need to work on. <laughs> oh, my goodness, you're not joking. And yeah. I've never cared I've never been it's you know, time people, to care <laughs> it's time to care so today I'm trying to get all my pictures black and gray and I'm trying to you know just do all the new updates the yeah. bio it, everything. just everything and then of course my computer didn't turn on uh, right when I'm gonna throw it onto the thumb drive and I had to still take pictures of bronzes and um, so it was really the hectic and it all got sorted out. And he's actually my my high school math teacher. Uh -huh. So when he came to pick up the thumb drive, of course the computer didn't work and it was all like frantic and I'm ready to just get all emotional and cry. I go meet him because you know, you're not allowed on the reservation. Everybody's diverted to this area where you can actually um, get deliveries or um, you know, converse or uh, like, collect groceries from people from 
you know, play, right. but anyway. So I met him at the senior center and I was like, I'm so sorry. You know, what are you going to do? You know, and he, he's nothing like a high school teacher to just calm you down. <laughs> like, okay. It's been a while since you've been in high school too, Kathleen. It's been a very long time, but it's really, I had such an amazing high school that I actually knew and know a lot of my teachers and the secretary. We just had lunch, you know, about this time last year. I mean, we just still keep in touch, and it's it's just really great. Fact, we're we're now doing the podcast, by the way. You, we this is oh. all podcast stuff. Yeah. <laughs> so we're going to get into that. So I'll do an introduction for all the people who've been listening to Kathleen Wall talk for a minute. The ramble on. Yeah. So we're talking about her sandwich, all the trials and <laughs> tribulations of trying to get her website going. And uh, yeah, now I like to just get it going and starting. So you're on, girl. So okay. Welcome to the show, Kathleen. We I don't think we've ever met. Have we ever met? I don't know. No, we have never met. And I'm actually, I'm extremely honored. Oh, I, uh, thank you. A little intimidated because you're, you're extremely smart and you got your <laughs> dates and names. And I'm like, oh my God, I just, so we're not going that route of dates and names. because. Oh yeah, I, we're I, totally I, going that route. 100%. <laughs> I guarantee you we're going that route. <laughs> I always go that route. <laughs> well, you do Indian market, right? Every year. Yeah, so I think I've actually probably met you there, but I mean, it's impossible well, to meet people really at Indian Market, right? Because it's right. A, just a massive amount of humankind right. crunching you. Right. Um, the reason I would think we would have met is you were mentioning you're good friends with Shanto and you yes. went to his office. We were actually neighbors for a good, I don't know, maybe seven years or five years, a very long time, we were neighbors. So I was thinking, well, maybe we had to have met at some point. And neighbors in the sense that's at the Indian market, you mean? Yes. We yes, where he had that in kind of cat booth. Yes. Down. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's okay. where, I, yeah, we have yeah. that. I remember your material. I remember the clay figures for sure, the yeah. ceramics. So, I mean, they kind of look like you in a way. Do you think? Don't they? Don't they? The, yeah. the ones that I don't think about end up looking like me. The, thing, the ones I really try hard to not look like me, I mean, they don't always, you know, but the ones I don't think about, the ones that just come out, um, they're really happy. And and those pieces, they look like me. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so this is one of your figures behind you to your left. Yes. Right. And then there's a Hamas pot below that, a, what, what, a wedding vessel. Is that yours, an earlier piece or? No, that's actually my grandmother. I wondered about that. Who is your grandmother? Um, my grandmother's name is Carrie Loretto, and she is the matriarch of all the storyteller makers that you know, are my aunties. Mm. So um, she she didn't make storytellers, but she made these uh, wedding vases, and she made these little pots. And um, it was a different time back then. It was very communal, and a lot of people would help each other. Uh, They'd come to different the different houses, and they'd all kind of help each other scrape pottery. Right. It was very uh, a communal type of situation there. And I actually live in the house. This is the house she lived in. It's added on and switched around. So this has been my studio. This is for, a famous Pueblo, yeah, right? It's in the Pueblo. Yeah, yeah, right in the Pueblo. Um, I've been here since I was twenty. 
24, 25, somewhere around there. Um, and I'm like 40, going to be 48 soon. So I've been here for a really long time, you know. And that was your great, that was your grandmother's house? That's my grandmother's house. My grandfather and my grandmother um, built this place. And it was actually on the outskirts of the village at the time. Now it's kind of in the middle because, you know, we grew so much. But at the time, it was one of the, I think it was the first house south of the actual village, the Pueblo. So, yeah, we were just looking at a picture last night of my mom uh, taking down some laundry in the backyard. And there's just nothing behind there. It's really neat. It's, right. it's a really yeah. How many so people 80, live at Hamas now? How many people huh? live at Hamas Public? I, I, it's, it's stated 3,000. I'm thinking 2,800, but around 3,000 is the the residential. And I believe there's, I think, uh, 4,000 or so on um, the rolls. I'm not exactly sure. I'm not good at all. I, I should up to date my numbers. See, you got me doing numbers. Yeah, we're going to do a lot more, too. <laughs> so, you know, so there's 3,000 to 4,000 people, yeah. about 3,000 that probably live at the Pueblo. And out of that group, how many are actually making pottery? Because Hamas has a lot of potters. There are so many potters. Um, gosh, I, I don't have a number for that. Uh, but of course, um, goodness, it's hard to say because it fluctuates too. It, right. it always fluctuates because I have a group of relatives that, are, that were avid potters um they made so much pottery and they did so well and and nowadays a lot of them are uh, focused on a career in um either behavior health uh, uh education um all kinds of different stuff you know that and then it kind of um consumes their time to where making pottery is almost a chore and it's it's not mm -hmm. as um you don't just have the time to come home from work and start uh, making because it is, you know, labor intensive to make yeah, pottery. Right. So, um, so it fluctuates and then, you know, sometimes they come back at it. And, uh, but I am seeing a lot less younger people making pottery and it is concerning to me. Why is um, that? Do you think that there are less people? I, I think it's economics. It's really hard to make a living off of pots um it, it's hard to it's hard to think it's a competitive um well native art has become very and native art has been very demanding on quality and content and, and um, your ability to navigate not only the markets but the galleries and it's 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 an actual business so um you know back in the day the family would you know be very encouraging and and um, and and take your work wherever they could sell or something, and um, the different um, either jobbers or galleries were very supportive. And not to say that they're not now, right. but there's a definite decline because there's not as much um, purchasing. There's not as much um, demand, right? Maybe. Yeah, and the, yeah, there's not as much demand. I think, you know, or maybe there is, but it's just really hard to get the kids to decide um, to do art instead of doing um, a regular job. Although I always think that the regular job will come, but 
just do the art anyway. <laughs> you know, are any of your or any of your kids potters? Uh, my daughter is an amazing potter. Um, it's hard for me to get her to work in clay. I think because um, she loves drawing and painting more, and mm -hmm. um, I'm I'm fine with that. And then my oldest son um, made a lot of um, pieces when he was younger, just little things, little crafty things. I didn't help him too much. So what they made is very much theirs. Mm -hmm. uh, but he became a musician. He did. Um, he went to high school for um, classical piano. And then his senior year, he studied in um, computer composition. Yes. Something like that. Yeah, so he's a musician. And I don't think he wants to become a visual artist um, at all. Is he a musician making a, you know, making a career out of music? No, no. He wants to be a pilot. So we'll see. That's college. And, you know. How old is he? He just turned 18, like yeah. the other day. Yeah. So he just he, graduated high school. He did graduate high school. How was that going through that whole virtual 2020 graduation for him? Uh, it was a, it was heartbreaking. It was heartbreaking to see the kids wanting to celebrate and we're all in the parking lot and nobody could get out of their cars and everybody's just really like wanting to be with each other and have this momentous time and um they and they weren't allowed you know yeah. nobody was allowed to um celebrate in any way and it was extremely heartbreaking he's he's not an invert whatsoever he's like I guess a very outgoing kid, hung out with all the other outgoing kids. So he had this group of friends that really wanted to um, uh, celebrate their accomplishment. And it just, I mean, they couldn't do it. So it was a- Did he go yeah. to school at Hamas? Um, he went to school at Hamas, fifth grade and sixth grade. And then, no, yeah, fifth, fifth and sixth grade here at the day school. That's when we moved back for, um, I moved them all here from Albuquerque. Okay, so I've had the studio forever and I've always been here. Yes. But when I married my husband, um, I moved to Albuquerque to live and then I commuted to the studio. So right, let's start um, there, actually. Let's start about with you. Let's go back and where did you grow up? Did you grow up at Hamas? I, I grew up in the Southwest. <laughs> okay, explain I that. Up, I was actually in Tucson for a little bit. I was at Three Points. Um, for I think two and a half years or three years, something. I went what to were you, Yeah, what were your mom and dad doing that made you go different places where you didn't grow up on Hamas? They were divorced, so they both went their separate ways, and so right. I bounced the both of them. So I was um, in Hamas uh, most of my childhood, um, and then after the divorce, it was between Durango, Colorado, because they both went to Fort Lewis off and on. And then Albuquerque, of course, because that's our nearest city. Yeah. Um, and uh, Tucson, Arizona. My dad worked for the Sells Reservation. Yes. And in that time, we were living there. And that was a really interesting time because I had just embraced pottery then. Mm -hmm. And so um, um, I knew how to make clay. My, I had already had all this very um, tangible knowledge from my aunts and my mother, of course. Um, where I knew how to make clay and I knew how to fire and I knew how to um, kind of go shop to shop and try to sell. So when I got to Tucson, I still made storytellers. And um, I, well, I was kind of beginning, only 14. 
um, kind of, my dad had some storytellers when I was 12 that were overfired at a shop. Um, and, and so um, that's kind of when I started making my own work. And then when I went to Tucson, I'd make these tiny little storytellers and I would go to anything that said Native American <laughs> curio shop or right. anything like that. And it was really interesting. And, and it didn't bother me when people didn't buy. It, it just really, I don't know, maybe because being with my mom, going from shop to shop and knowing it takes six or seven shops to make whatever you need or, or you can she'd go to Covered Wagon and Adobe Gallery and, and um, I don't know, I can't remember all the shops now, but that, those what, are my child. Yeah, and what's you your know? mom's, what's your mom's name? Fanny Loretto. Fanny Loretto, and Fanny. she made storytellers as well? Yeah, she made storytellers and she made wedding vases. And in my, um, maybe when I was about 17, she started making masks and she kind of settled on masks. And that's you know, what somebody she just asked me for one of those? They for just, my mom's mask or mine? Yeah, Fanny Loretto. Yeah. Oh, nice. Hey, somebody nice. just asked me to like today, do you ever get these? Yeah, a mask. Well, she's she's you a got any? I, I can actually I'll bring you some. Because <laughs> I have somebody who wants one. <laughs> yeah, well that's great. Yeah. So it's um where was I at? So you were in Tucson, you started making your first little storytellers that were about this high. And no, they're they were a tiny because mostly yeah. I didn't have a lot of clay either. Yeah, well, I, I was going to ask you, where do you get the clay in Tucson? I used the Hamas clay because I had some. Um, but as I grew up and moved around as an older adult, <clears throat> I started learning how to dig clay just kind of wherever I was. <clears throat> so, yeah. You use, uh, I assume you use Hamas clay now? Mm -hmm. Yes, right. Love clay it's just my favorite and i've worked with a lot of different clays right you know i like to do these workshops with um people where we do um this thing where i teach you know a group of people how to make um pottery from scratch but everybody gets to pick out the clay they like and i right. have like clay from oklahoma red clay from oklahoma um I have abacute clay, uh, Pecos, all, all kinds of different samples. And then people just uh, pick what they want to use and I'll teach them how to sift it and mix it with hummus. And, right. and they make it, it's really fun. And so you're, in your, so you're, you're kind of bouncing all around. You're in I Tucson am. and you go to high school in Tucson even? Um, I went to middle school at, at Three Points and that's right. like on the way to Sells, Arizona. And then I went to high school at Flowing Wells because they didn't have a high school at Three Points. We had to be bused into the city. And so that happened. And then I, we moved to Tularosa. I moved to Tularosa with my dad. And I still, and that's where it really kicked in because I was 15 and I really wanted to make some money. And there's no making money when you're too young to get a job. So I really started making um, little baby storytellers and I would wholesale them for $5 a piece and I'd make like $25 or $50 cause I'd try my hardest to make 10 cause 50 bucks is pretty good. Right. <laughs> you know. Right. Uh -huh. So I'd sit on the couch and I'd be working at the coffee table and just sitting there watching TV and watching my little brother and making pottery. And, um, so that lasted a little while until I moved to Albuquerque with my mom. My mom was in Albuquerque at the time. And um, 
I guess it just kind of went from there because then, you know, I'm 16, 17, 18, and that's when I started going to art markets. And the main markets I went to were, um, when I was younger, younger, is Pueblo Grand and Eight Northern Pueblos, um, the Red Rocks here in Hamas. Um, where else did I go? Just any little market I could find. Um, into Pueblo Culture Center, right. you know. And you're, these, you're graduating, you're doing your main high school, you do one year or so in Tularosa, and then the rest you go to Albuquerque and do it in yeah. Albuquerque. So you're yes. like sophomore, junior, senior year, we're in Albuquerque. We, I went to the alternative high school there is called uh, Freedom High School. Yes. And that's why I, be, I became such good friends with my teachers because they were so encouraging. And they were so supportive of me being an artist. They were just so neat. Um, and uh, they, they'd actually purchase from me. The principal has my pieces. Everybody has my pieces at my so school. That was, really, that was a really good experience for you, that last yeah. part. Is it, was it a creative high school? Would they allow creativity and artists? Or what, it, what, what was it? Sounds like it's a different high school. It's, a, it's an alternative high school to where you just don't want to go to regular high school. You know, so we all, we went, we had a college um, schedule. So, so many classes were on Mondays, Wednesdays and Fridays and the other classes were Tuesdays and Thursdays. Um, there wasn't an art teacher at the time, but they had an art room and they just let me have it. <laughs> you know, they had kilns and they had clay just to, I mean, it was really fun because they were just all so supportive and I just got to really experiment with um, just, um, the clay that they had. So that was my first experience with uh, ceramic clay and um, other paints and, you know, really learning how to work a kiln and manipulate a kiln. Because mm -hmm. um, I know a lot of people uh, look at a kiln, they turn it on and, and that does its job. You know, you right. press the button and that's it. But I actually um, got very brave with the kiln. You know, I, I, if it's, if the piece is too tall for the kiln, I'll stack, um, bricks on top and close it up or I've actually for my very large pieces I've actually put a kiln on top of the kiln and um, just anything and everything you get real comfortable when you're so young and you don't have anybody telling you what you can't do so you're like hmm you know just start messing around and so um, and you, I, didn't, I was, and you don't uh, fire ever outdoors in an outdoor kiln with wood or manure or any of that um, I have a pit fire outside. Yes. Um, I usually only use it when we have um, a company. Like, uh, I'm not big on pit firing. I don't. I don't know why. I just. It's not something that I grew up with. Primarily because I was by myself. Right. I didn't. You know, growing up. I mean, my dad's not Pueblo. He's Ojibwe, and his dad is French. So um, he didn't have a giant amount of knowledge. So he was just, you know, supportive in his like, you know, take me here or there to a kiln, I mean, a ceramic shop or something in right. Tucson or Alamogordo. So a lot of my beginnings were kind of um, uh, whatever I could do where I'm at. And so um, uh, I think that's why my work is so different. I mean, yeah, it's all native clay. Like right now, I primarily work in native clay, but the techniques and the things that I think of making um, aren't anything like um, most public people 
create. Yeah, you you have your own style for sure, your own sense of voice. There's no doubt about it. It's different. You know, it's uh, you, you know, and we're gonna find out where you got that too, because for a very long time you were doing little five dollar things, and you know, at yeah. some point that flipped. Was that yeah. when you went to IAIA? Is that when things kind of changed? I think it was the high school. Um, of course, the, we're going to art school, we find everything. But when I was in high school, um, I used to still make storytellers and I did that, you know, for any money I could. But um, I had a really great relationship with Bob at um, Andrews Public Pottery yes. and he would always take my work. He was just the nicest guy. And one time I was making storytellers and I used to make little clown storytellers quite a bit. And um, of course this, I had like a group of four pieces that dried and they, I didn't get any babies on. And I was just like, oh, well, I'm gonna finish them and we'll see what they say. And I took him in, he's like, I'll take more of these. <laughs> and that's kind of like, oh, cool. Well, I'll make more of these because making those little babies for the last, you know, <laughs> right. eight years of my life, I was, I was tired. <laughs> I was like, oh my God, these little babies are, you know, very labor intensive. Right. And how I grew up. I grew up like I'll make a three baby storyteller, a ten baby storyteller. You know, that's kind of how you you learn to like, okay, so this four baby storyteller and then this twenty baby storyteller, and that was like an accomplishment. Like twenty baby storyteller, wow, I did that. And um so it was really kind of uh liberating to not have that demand <laughs> of making babies on my sculptures right and it, and it kind of really shifted to sculpture uh, pottery sculptures i mean they're still shaped like a storyteller but right. they'll vary pueblo but they don't have that storyteller um uh i guess babies anymore do you think that bob when he looked at those the reason he liked them is because they were unique and different and kind of a new voice that he could see it being something that might be more sellable or did he see something in you that he thought this is a lane that you should be in i don't know i should ask him sometime <laughs> yeah i mean it'd be interesting. He, he was always a he was always very supportive of my work when i was younger and um he's actually um i he would purchase like maybe uh, 20 masks at one time. He like, you know, he got me through college, you know, that was really That's fun. a dealer, a gallery. I, yeah, that's a, <laughs> there's a few, there's a few in yeah. Albuquerque that, because I wasn't a great artist, believe me. I mean, I was, I look back and I'm like, oh my God, <laughs> okay. Oh, well, you know, cause um, I think I really, don't believe I had talent over hard work. I'm, I'm that artist that's hard work over talent. And over many, 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 many years, the talent kind of kicked in a little more, the knowledge of the clay kicked in to where I was able to make things I actually envision, and I actually want to see and, and I actually want to do. Because for the longest time, I just didn't have the, the training you know, and then when I went to art school, I actually didn't take a ceramics class. Mm. I took drawing and painting and, and everything else because I felt like, well, I'm going home and going to work. I, I don't think I want to 
do this here and then go home and have to work and pay my bills, you right. know, cause, so I just, I, I basically kind of kept it separate. And I was that, funny because I tried to turn in a, a clay sculpture to one of my classes and the teacher wouldn't accept it. <laughs> and why? Why wouldn't he accept it? Uh, she just was not um, having it. I it was very much no traditional work. I don't know. It's, it was, to me, it's funky, still kind of funky. They just don't embrace the traditional um, Pueblo work. I know that because I've had a lot of issues with it. They don't have any type of um, embracing the Pueblo arts, in my opinion. So. Yeah. More modern, kind of more modern. Kind of push the artist out, and which is great. I mean, I'm a fan of everything, so I'm, I'm, you know, I'm a fan girl. I had to wear my interstate shirt, my my brother's um, band, and there you go. <laughs> <laughs> I like everybody's work, actually, a lot of people's work. And so. so, but you were you were really focused on doing traditional Pueblo pottery, but you went to IAIA for four years. Did you go there for four years? I went there the when there was a two-year program. Yes, okay. And then that was right out of high school. Right. And so uh, once I got my associates, um, I was hoping to go to Emily Carr. And, um, and I was kind of pretty much set to go. And uh, so I kept uh, visiting my grandfather more. He's elderly. And I loved him a whole bunch. So I kept coming down and I'd pick him up and go to powwows. Um, just to hang out with him because I felt like I don't want to leave and um, he's he's uh, not here when I come back or right. a different person or just too elderly. Anyways, um, through the time, through that time, I saw that he was being abused and so um, I took it upon myself, I guess, to move here and take care of him. So um, that didn't last too, too long without enforcement. And so I recruited my aunt, his daughter, to come and, um, of course, stay with us and be with us and, and um, make sure that everything's okay here. And it worked out really well, you know, and um, once she was settled with him and everything kind of really panned out, I got to move out. I didn't move out of the area, but I didn't move out of his immediate house. I still took um, very good care of him. I, you know, spent as much time as I could with him. Um, he was blind, and um, he walked with a cane, but he was very able. Yeah. And um, we do crazy things like go fly to Las Vegas or, um, <laughs> oh, the, you know, the Fourth of July festival in Mescalero. Yeah. Um, he really loved that. He really loved that, and different powwows and um, and um, was just he all an kinds artist? Of was he an artist at all? Um, I don't know. Um, I imagine he was, um, but um, he was he was a help for scraping pottery. He always talked about scraping pottery and you know making them real smooth or whatever. This and, was your mom's. Uh, this was your mom's father. Yeah. Yes, my mom. So, so my mom is Pueblo, um, and my dad is Ojibwe and right. French. Yes. <clears throat> so. And I, I feel bad because I don't know much of my Ojibwe side because, you know, right, born and raised in the Southwest, it's really hard to right. embrace that there. I've never been, actually. So anyways, I was here, and then um, his house he had built, um, the, um, I guess, when did he build this house? 
gosh, see me and my dates. I'm no good at them. The house but it was before, before my mother was born because she was born in this house. Yes. Well, not this part because I added on. Anyways, it had fallen. It just fell to kaputs and I, and I felt really bad about it because I had lived here when I was eight years old, you know, right. this tiny little adobe house and I loved it. It was like my safe haven. It was like, you know, it's my heart. Every, everything I loved about being home was this little adobe house. And so hey, when I, might fell, point, I might point out that's clay. Oh yes. Yes, it is. Muddy and I clay. rebuilt I, all my additions are clay too. I didn't put any wood. It's all adobe. <laughs> Anyways. Um, so one day I was, you know, just trying to cheer him up because he was getting pretty down, you know, when you're blind and, you know, um, it, it's just like, you need this constant, like entertainment in a way, you know? So I told him I'll rebuild your house. And he's like, what are you talking about? He didn't know it fell down. <laughs> <laughs> so I brought him over here because he lives in a hut home, just like right next door. Yeah. But how the house he built, um, he didn't really know that it was in, it would have fallen. So I came and brought him over and had him touch the walls and told him what's gone and what's still here. And it was just the, uh, it's really neat. This uh, foundation of the, the kitchen floor was the only thing holding the kitchen part up. And my dad laid that kitchen floor the year I was born in 72. I know that did. <laughs> <laughs> so that, I tell my dad, that was your very first gift to me is putting that, um cement floor down in that kitchen because it saved that original structure and that's where i started from i rebuilt the kitchen and i put his original vegas that he brought down from the mountain on uh horseback you know he just drug them down from the mountain right, right. And i was only able to save just a few to fix that kitchen and then a few years later i reconstructed the house identically to how it used to be and that was my, except for I put on a bathroom because, you know, it's you know. better than an outhouse. <laughs> easier. Just a little and they did have an outhouse. <laughs> so anyways, this was my studio. And that's, you know, it's always since then, you know, he, he was so cool. He's like, I just want you to always have a place to work. Yeah. I took that part. I'm like, I'm not working anywhere else. This is it. This is my place. And so um, I've made myself extremely comfortable here. And even when I got married. You know, I spent all summer here. I packed up the kids and we wouldn't go to the city at all. Um, every weekend almost, we'd come over and, you know, I was like, yeah, Mike, go ahead, work on the weekends. We're going to be in here. <laughs> you know? I'm pretty sure we'll know where you'll be in 30 years. You're going to be yes. right in that same spot <laughs> you are today. You won't have gone. You're never going to get another house, I can tell. Why would you? Yeah, that's Well, it's, it is a studio, so I'm trying – what happened, so right now I'm sharing it with my family. When my husband retired, I packed up the entire family, moved them here into my tiny little studio. Yeah. I, I just liquidated everything. I said, we're living minimal. Um, my babies were really small at the time, so it was really nice and easy, um, you know, from the house in the city where you have, everybody has a room, you have to clean the whole thing. And I was done with that. And then... Um, my kids start growing and it just got too small. So um, I stayed focused. So what I did is I ended up adding on a gallery and this is where I'm at now, a packing shipping room and another restroom. 
So right now, we ha we're all situated in my space. So it's funny because my daughter's bedroom is my office or will be as soon as I kick everybody out. Yeah. And my sons share my packing shipping room. <laughs> and um, my husband and I, have, our bedroom is my building room with like the wet clay building room. And then mm -hmm. um, I have the gallery and of course the kitchen area. But it's so people could buy your art directly from you if they wanted to. Yeah. Yes, that's how I prefer it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've had a lot of visits here too. We've had Pro Canyon here. We've had the SAR here. Right. Um, we put a really fun production with my brothers. My older brother plays music, and my younger brother will throw down a pit fire. Um, and then we just have this catering situation. I have some girls that work for me and it's just been so much fun since we added on the space to accommodate large um, amount of people. Right. We've really had a great time and, and um, it's a bummer now because I don't think that's going to happen for a few years. You yeah. Know? I mean, Again. you're the Pueblo shut down, right? Oh yeah. Yeah, there's nothing, there's nothing going on. We have our feast day coming up and we all know that it's not gonna happen. We've given up all of our, um, our, our social gatherings that we usually have and we have a lot. Right. Know? So it's, it's have heartbreaking. You had, have you had any COVID cases at Hamish yet? Oh yeah, we have, we have, we have this amazing, um, um, I honestly don't know much about it, but Buffalo Thunder has offered their their hotel for all the Pueblo COVID cases. So oh. we've been so fortunate and other Pueblos have been so fortunate that as soon as something gets or somebody gets COVID, they go straight to quarantine out of the village. Wow, that's so fantastic. We've, we've kept such great numbers here as far as um, I can, I mean, any number is horrible. I know there's a lot of um, uh, like questions about like how dangerous is it or how, you know, nobody's really affected or, you know, but it's not to me, I feel like anybody's sick is, is terrifying or like it, it going to an elder to me is terrifying. And, and so we've been extremely cautious. And um, I think the Hamas bubble, I can say with confidence has all been extremely cautious and yeah. Careful well, not to. In 1918, Pecos got wiped out, and whatever remains of the Pecos residents, they all moved back to Hamas, right? Uh, yeah, 13. It was a 19. 13 of the Pecos people made it to Hamas. Yeah, because I know what was left uh, during the 1918 influenza wiped out that whole, the, what was ever left. And I'm yeah, sure, that was a large tribe, too. Yeah, and I'm sure that Hamas was also greatly affected by the 1918 uh, pandemic. Do you As guys, were all the Yeah, all the public. Do you guys have, did you have history of that? In other words, that was more recent history to you, wasn't it? I mean, to the Pueblo people? To, to me, I feel like it is recent history, but it really isn't widely taught. We don't have, um, we don't have in the, not only not in the school systems, but in like the, uh, like even the summer programs should really jump up their game on, on Pueblo history and actual New Mexico history. Right. Uh, we don't have it. We don't have it in the school system. It's up to the parents to, to educate their children, right. which to me is a, it's a bummer because, um, it, and then we didn't have, it. um, you know, 
Native history is American history, but it's not, it's just kind of like, no, no, that didn't happen, <laughs> you know? Yeah, it's no, just, I mean, I grew up in New Mexico. I went to, you know, you know, kindergarten through high school and we never, you know, our history for New Mexico was Oh Fair New Mexico. You know, that was <laughs> learn the state song, the Zia symbol, but they didn't really teach like the long walk or, you know, the 1680 Pueblo revolt. That's, that wasn't in right. any of the uh, books, none. Right. And, yeah. uh, you know, I had to learn all or that. Or even just, just little things like how our tribe moved from the mountains to the basin we're at now. We weren't always, um, we're, we're mountain people. Right. But we're, we're as such the foothills were almost like desert, you know, farmers. And we were, we were up in the mountains. So, I mean, that's... That's something a lot of people here, I mean, well, kids here, I don't know if, it's, if they know or not, but it is up to the parents at this point to, to educate the children. Yeah, I think in New Mexico, they should be doing more of native Hispanic, you know, history. I mean, let's face it, it starts like in 1599 in Santa Fe or 1598, right. you know, when it's, when it's founded and we've got... 400 years of history that should be learned right. New Mexico history right. get the rest of it history. you're right we I worked on the 400 years of federal policy and how it were affected Pueblo people at the Indo Pueblo Cultural Center mm. and I didn't know so much like um, I still don't I mean I have to revisit it but there is curriculum being developed through that program um, there is curriculum and it's supposed to be, it's supposed to be already out, but I, I really don't know because it's a high school curriculum. Yeah. Well, things are changing. I mean, we're getting rid of the Redskins, right? Finally, the name. Oh, wow. Can you, you know? believe that? And it's amazing. I'm really glad. I, yeah. I, it's something else. Yeah. That's a horrible thing. I mean, where that comes from, they, I mean, people don't realize, but that was the helps no. that were brought in. But that's, Indians. That's, that's the where thing that is. About having accurate American history. Right. By leaving Native Americans out of American history, we get stuff like that, and people think it's oh, it's just a what's what's the matter? It's just a name. Yes. What's the matter? It's just a, a logo. And, right. and a lot of people do not know because Native Americans are left out of American history. Yeah, that's true. I believe it. I know. I, I lived in a Native Americans state and we've learned very little right you know? right <laughs> yeah you would so, think this would be the place to know <laughs> now, now, granted i grew up in a time in the 60s which is maybe a little different but hopefully things are going to change or are changing uh, you know i would think they yeah. they would have to have we ever had a native uh governor i don't think we have have we? we've had a lot of hispanic ones no but, never uh, no yeah that would be amazing yeah it's, it'll uh, happen it's time well, our population is so low compared to the rest of the nationalities in America right. that we we definitely need to um, try a little harder, work a little harder, and it's 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 a bummer that that's our situation. But you know, I'm always trying to remind people that we're a subject of genocide. You really have to understand we're survivors of something yeah, really right. horrible that happened. And, and, and they're precious. I remind my children all the time that, that they are amazing. They're a miracle because they're alive. They, That's they right. <laughs> exist. 
We exist. Oh my gosh. You know, <laughs> for a very long time, too. A very long time. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so when you finish um, IAIA, right? And then, and so you don't go to Emily Carr, you work with your grandfather, you stay with him. And then what happens in your life? Well, um, I just focused on my art. You know, I didn't, um, I never ever stopped doing my work. And that's really surprising to me sometimes when I think about it. I, I have been consistent in this for so long. Mm -hmm. And it's really great because I mean, the, the changes are just amazing from when I was 18 or 20 or, or at 16. I mean, it, it's so different. Um, so I was here uh, working on the studio, working on my artwork and hanging out with my grandpa. And then I met my husband while I lived here in Hamas. He's from here in Hamas. And so um, I think it was just a lot of focus on every market. You know, it's primarily the herd and Indian market mm -hmm. uh, because uh, once you kind of, um, uh, I don't know why all the, well, I was still doing markets here and there. I, I, I don't know, but it, that was my focus was markets. And um, so you, it's like a schedule every year, you know, you, it's, right. I'm a circuit artist. I mean, circuit, yeah, I'd say that I'm a circuit artist because I'm on the circuit. I'm always going to be. But you um, show with some galleries, don't don't you have some gallery representation? Um, I'm not real big on galleries. Um, I do have a few um, jobbers. I, I have a, a guest agents that buy your work and they sell it. Yes. Um, guy guy at Palms has always um, been there for me um, since I was a preteen, and so he still is, and he's um, he's really good at getting my work in places that I would try. Um, I have, I was at True West in Santa Fe. I was, I don't see, I, I say the True West I did pull out, but the other shops, I don't know if I'm there or not because when something sells, you're not there, you know, but I was at the herd for many, many years. Uh, mm -hmm. My work has always been at the herd, but I haven't actually replenished them in a really long time. Is um, that because you're so busy just selling things yourself? That you just don't I have think so. At this point, yes. Um, yeah, I, I try my hardest to get work into the galleries, but it's it's difficult. And then sharing your your payments very difficult too. Um, so right now I have a Pottery of the Southwest in Santa Fe. It just came um, very nonchalant. Um, I'm never one to really look for a gallery. Usually a gallery asks me to purchase stuff and I'm down, you know, I'll wholesale stuff anytime. But this particular gallery, what had happened was I needed to spend time in Santa Fe because my son, I don't know, I needed to drive him to school every day because he wasn't going to school. <laughs> so I had asked um, the Pottery of the Southwest if I could uh, maybe resident there. And that way that would get me there and I could just sit there and paint and stuff. And Mert was really, really nice that he let me do that. And then he's, um, and then, so I put myself on consignment there and that's on Canyon road. And that's what I'm doing right now. I'm actually trying to keep him, um, keep some work there, but I, I dumped off some work and it sold by the time I was home. So that's great. So that's pottery of the Southwest that's on Canyon road. Yeah, so he doesn't really have much, but we, I am doing a show there for the market 
And um, so I will have an inventory there and I'm doing the virtual market. Right. And I'm going to talk about that too. And what I actually like to ask you too, because you did the Dubin Fellowship, right? At school for for advanced research, SAR. Yeah. What was that? When did you do that? Uh, what, how old were you when you did that fellowship? That that's, a big deal. that's a big deal to get that. It's a big deal. Yeah. There's been a couple of big deals, I think, and I'm, I've been really excited about them, but um, Mike, okay. So the, the fellowship, I think it was four years ago. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure. Something like that. And so um, I applied a few times. Anybody applying, keep applying. <laughs> Don't like it discouraged. Just keep right. doing it. Um, so anyways, I applied a few times when I got it. I was, of course, I was elated. It's like a dream. You know, when you're an artist and you're, you're in this community, there's certain things you really, really want. And the SAR fellowship is one you really, really want to. Um, so I was extremely focused when I was there. I worked very hard. I played very hard. I had these amazing uh, dinner parties and invited everybody up there and and i had some uh, really fun studio visits um so i focused <clears throat> my you um, there when you were at sar did they put you up or did you live yeah, yeah they did right and that's a year-long yeah. fellowship right no 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 the Is fellowships it? are only three months the three months okay yeah the three months the the internships are a year that's and it. some of the writing gigs are a year yeah. And so during that time frame, you're working on your art, right? You're, you're doing your, your, my project, <clears throat> my project was about, um, native names and, um, and how, um, native people are so much a part of where they're from that it's also in our names. So I picked four different subjects and, um, I researched their names. And so what I did was I put, um, I made a, a portrait, a clay portrait of the person, and I painted their native name in paint, uh, a painting behind them, and I kind of merged them together by um, uh, by painting like what's on the painting on them as well. Mm-hmm. So I did my grandfather, of course. Um, his name is Gawala, and um, I did my aunt. Her name is uh, Noah. I'm sorry, Gawala Ba is my aunt's name. Uh, Gela Sheen is my grandpa's name. And then my cousin, his name is Ahoshin. And then my son, his name is Shiwia. And so I painted all their names and then talked about how our, um, our place, you know, how we live in our place and how uh, we're so connected to our place that, um, uh, we name ourselves, uh, you know, with with actual like uh, places that we live and where we plant or what we plant or what we wear. You know, all these different um, native names are actually so much a part of us. They're the, about the environment. They're about the land, the the, the botany, the plants. They really relate mm-hmm. to the earth. Really, right? Is that right? Yeah. And which is really appropriate for clay, since it comes from the earth. So were these figurines, or were they masks, or what were they? They were full figures. Oh, yeah. They were uh, three-dimensional figures. And um, and then the the paintings, I actually used pigments from the places that I painted. So I I collected some 
um, sand from like Ohoshin's name is the structure by our red rocks. So I collected some of that red rock sand and I mixed it with the paint. Mm. And so it has that on there. And same with um, the other pieces too. I use actual earth from that place to make the painting. So and where are those sculptures? Um, one is at the Mayak Museum for my exhibit um, opening whenever that happens. <laughs> and then uh, one is at the SAR. And then um, one is here um, in the studio and the other one is in storage. They're, I just have so much work that I do have to store. Send me some images of those and we'll put them on the YouTube version of this. Oh yeah, of if course. Send those to me. And the one that's in Mayak, you said for your exhibit. What's that? What that? What is that exhibit? Um, I'm. I was. A, I was honored with the um, Living Treasure Treasures 2020 award. Yes. So, so that's another huge thing. Yeah, tell me um, about that. Yeah, that is a big deal. It's such a big deal. I can't believe it happened to me, and um, I'm just still thankful, even though it didn't happen. <laughs> It happened, but it didn't happen. Because nothing happened. <laughs> yeah, um, I think I'm Mateo still... Romero has had that, and Diego Rivera. Diego uh, Romero, both are living treasures too, right? Yeah, they're, they're the 2019 living yeah. treasure. And then, um, so I'm in the company of amazing artists, um, Tammy Garcia, Tony Abeda, uh Jody Naranjo, uh, Maria Samora, who else? Uh, uh, Uppy, Upton, Ethelbaugh, um, who else? Of course, Diego and Mateo. Oh, uh, Lonnie Bivol. Yeah. Um, well, anyways, amazing artists. Just over the top. I just had no, I, I, I am not worthy. <laughs> I just so what does that mean to be a living treasure, a New Mexico living treasure? What is that? Um, so the Mayak chooses an artist to be um, not only their signature artist for their art market because they have this really big living tre um, native treasures art market that um, has grown over the years and has become very successful um, but um, it's just this I guess appreciation for a New Mexico artist that contributes to um, the art community mm -hmm. and so um, of course I I would have, if we didn't have a pandemic, I would have done numerous um, visits, talks. Um, I would, I have a exhibit going up um, in the museum. And my exhibit's quite large because I have done exhibits before. I have two solo exhibits and then I've been parts of other exhibits. So aside from my um, regular work, my um, clowns and sculptures, I do love to um, have some space to make something um, really cool in a museum. I don't always get the opportunity, but I just love and it. And these are big, big objects, big ceramics that you're doing? So I have, um, I don't know how many pieces right now. I can't think of how many I have there. I've made three, I made three originals for their exhibit, but they have a, a farmer that is my height and his painting is just a little bit taller than him. So that's like five, five and and I imagine the paintings maybe five, five eight. Mm -hmm. So that's the largest piece there. And, and then so is that I, a sculpture and a painting? Yes. yes. So that, so I did an exhibit called Harvesting Tradition. And this was about um, how Native people um, and people in general have kind of uh, digressed from original foods. 
uh, we don't um, hunt, we don't plant, we don't gather anymore. Right, um, McDonald's. We, yeah, so, um, so I did a, a lady walking sheep. Um, so it's a Navajo lady, and she's walking into her painting, and her, her sheep are walking away, and you can see the, you know, the races. So that's a really fun one. Um, Sorraro cactus, I have a, a lady harvesting Sorraro cactus, and the sculpture is the a lady holding the stick and the uh, Sorraro. So I, to I totally get it. So you have a ceramic image of her with the stick that then goes into the painting behind yeah. her, which is a Sorraro. Yeah, that's really cool. And have you done much of that? Yes. I mean, and was that the... Well, there's... What's that? Uh, the, that exhibit was eight pieces. And so they're all different splashes of different nibs. I have a, a winnowing rice, um, walking sheep. Um, uh, oh, the corn beans and squash is the only one that doesn't have a painting. And I have these uh, ladies dancing, social dance, um, uh, Iroquois social dance. And um, their garments are all painted in the corn beans and the squash. And, that and these was, are uh, big figures too? These are big? These are very big pieces, yes. Um, and and how do you fire those? I mean, that's a that's the biggest deal, right? You've got to have a kiln big enough. Yeah, I have a large kiln, and then um, sometimes I'll I'll put a plastic at the hip at the belt or a, or the break of the pant, and then that way it pops off, and then I can glue it back together after I fire them both. And or if the piece is just small enough, I can stack two kilns on top of each other. Mm. So those are kind of the ways I deal with the extra large pieces. And have you been doing much of that size and that kind of sculptural work? Yeah, I have, um, uh, like I said, I have the two solo exhibits and they're all quite large pieces. And then, um, uh, let's see. Oh, I did the, for the uh, 100 years of federal policy and how it affected Pueblo people. I did a giant painting and then I did a giant grandpa and two urban grandkids. And he is taller than me. Um, and they're and the grandpa's pointing to the painting and talking about how we used to. It, it, the painting is a giant traditional calendar, you know, winter, spring, summer, and fall. Mm -hmm. And it shows like all the different events, like planting, um, the plants growing, taking care of it, harvesting, and then the different dances that go in between, the home and the and the mountains. And so um, he's teaching his children, grandchildren, urban grandchildren. They have like uh, cute little tennies and like headphones and stuff. <laughs> Just a, I don't know, it's kind of funny. I mean, like some of my work is so unsellable and batty and just like, just like how do you, why do you put so much effort into this thing that, you know, people are just gonna see and walk away. But- That's I, art, I but that's art. Yeah, I have That really to. is what it is. I mean, when you do those kind of things, for only art's sake. And the reality is there probably is a market. It may just not be the market you consider. It may be a contemporary market somewhere completely different in New York City or Chicago or LA it, or Tokyo. I'm definitely in uh I'm I'm definitely in two realms. You know, I the work I I love to make and I I don't get any money for and I have packed away. Oh my god, I have storage, I have packed storage of artwork and um and then the work that affords me the time to do this, you know, because if I didn't do well as an artist, a Pueblo potter, 
I wouldn't have the time to dedicate a half a year to making uh, mm -hmm. an exhibit or a whole year. My, my uh, celebrating Native legacies was a whole year. I was broker than broke and you know, I just barely made it. Man, and I, I, that one had video. I had this really cool idea. Well, they gave me a really big space at the cultural center. So on one side of the exhibit, I had uh, five big sculptures of ladies singing. And then on behind them had a big screen and their song on video would come on. Oh, wow. So we went here in the mountains and I had these beautiful women um, dressed up and they sang and oh, this is the funnest time of my life. I was pregnant as pregnant can be. And then um, on the other side of the exhibit is the Pima, the Akuma Atam women and their, sculpt, their portraits. Um, I think there was six of them and one little girl. And then I went out to my mom's reservation and I filmed them and we had the best day. They came out and they sang their basket song. And, and then we went to my mom's house and it was so fun. They brought a giant um, uh, barrel and we yeah. made chimith. I never made chimith. I've never seen it. They're, you know, those tortillas that are like. Right, right. those big ones, yeah. And it was, and I cooked already, and they cook, they brought food, and we had this this big feast with all these beautiful women, and everybody was still dressed from the from the vote the video, so everybody looked beautiful, and those images are, are something I treasure, you know. Where is that? Where are those sculptures? Did you sell those? Um, no, I have most of them in storage. I have one at my Airbnb in Albuquerque. Turn, I turned my house into an Airbnb. And I have one here um, on my in my kitchen. Oh yeah, and, send us some pictures of those too if you have it, so oh, we can well. put it on the YouTube video that we're doing for yeah. this, because this is not only a podcast platform but it's also YouTube. So this right. I'll be on for that as well. So you so you've done this. You you, know, you were got this amazing award as a living treasure. You're supposed to have a museum show. It probably was going to open somewhere time right about now or already. No, it was actually supposed to open April. Oh yeah, so you hit it right at the thing. You yeah. didn't get anything. No, not a thing. And so, so they're they gonna do it next year. Or are they gonna just? Yeah, they are. So they'll do it in twenty twenty one. You'll get it. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So that gives That's you time to make artwork, right? More artwork, or had you already made all you needed to make for the exhibit? Yeah. Oh, that's all there. I worked so hard to get all that there. <laughs> oh, you know, it's just like, oh my goodness. And and Native Treasures was coming up. So I got my donation visas. I got my, my exhibit all there, you know, and then I turn around and I have to do the herd. And so I was like here just working so hard, getting the herd done. And, um, and then, you know, right after the herd, it was like, yeah, this is happening. Yeah, yeah. That, and this one yeah, I, don't, I, don't really, I, I did have a lot of ill will or anger or, or like um, too much um, disappointment. For some reason, I felt like, like, a, like almost like, um, okay, you know, if, okay, this is happening. Um, I don't, I didn't have to uh, work. Because I, I, I'm a workaholic. I mean, that, that's the main reason I'm not in the studio space over there. It's, it's chaotic <laughs> right there. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. 
So um, I didn't have to put myself through that. And, and I started um, getting the house ready for the quarantine. You know, I just, right. you know, I have three giant children. My youngest son is 11 and he's taller than me, my daughter and my older son. And I knew we're all going to be here and, and I needed to get the backyard comfy so we have another place to hang out. I needed to. And then I got this, like, I don't know why, I just got this desire, I guess, to plant a garden. And uh, as, Did you get your permit? A, huh? Did you get a permit? <laughs> no, we're on the reservation. I know, but your permit for, I know San I, San Ildefonso, I think you have to get a permit for their garden. Oh, is that right? Yeah, I think so. San Ildefonso. I wonder, hmm, I wonder. Well, I'm just right here, and then the, the my garden's right here, and I have the ditch right here, so yeah. you're easy but it was just so labor intensive yes. that um, a whole month just kind of blew by I kind of lost a lot of time and then um, I had a I already had orders and then I had to fill orders and then I kind of just snapped one day like oh my gosh I am really behind on work and then <laughs> into the market coming up and you know I need a lot of pieces but whether we want it to or not into markets gonna come and yeah. I, I have to be prepared whether you know it's via um, email or in yeah. person it's gonna well, happen yeah I talked to Kim Pion yesterday the new director executive director for Swaya and her uh, podcast will drop uh, in two weeks from now we talked all about uh, you know the virtual Indian market and it looks really like it's going to be quite spectacular and really a great thing and so you'll be a part of that correct I'm going to be a part of it. And that was my hectic day this morning at the beginning of our podcast. I was talking about that. I trying to uh, re uh, buff up my, uh, my website and, right. um, you know, getting all that done. So uh, I, I know there's a lot to do that um, I'm not real comfortable with. I'm not big on um, getting on the computer. And now I realize like I have to answer my emails. A lot of times I would, horrible of me, I would ignore. Yeah, I think content. I sent you one and I didn't get any response for a while. <laughs> I, it's horrible. And I, and I really had a, a stern talk with myself. I, I have to answer emails. I have to get on the computer. There's things I have. I have to check my Facebook messages. I don't ever check them. And, you know, people are, okay, is this available? And I'm just, I'm, and I just don't do that stuff. Yeah. I'm just in a little happy bubble making artwork and, you know, focused <laughs> on my next event. Yes. And, you know, and so now I really have to, I have a whole nother aspect of work that I have to get done. I will say that is where the gallerists come in. You yes. Know? And it's, it's nice having somebody do that. I'm always trying to nudge my husband to be that person. He's, yeah, he's not. <laughs> yeah. Well, and a gallery provides a professional environment with advertising and exposure right. and the, the big website, hopefully, that, you know, that, you, you know, that's what you pay. As far as I'm concerned, I've always told my artists at this point, <clears throat> if your gallery doesn't have a really a great website, then you, yeah. may, you may not even be with the right gallery. Because, right. and of course, now it's really shown and played out that way in the pandemic because, you know, things can still happen online. They can still, people can still visit, um, you know, if you have a good website, but they may not be able to if your governor says you can't come in. So those are all important aspects, whether it's your website or 
my, my feeling is that galleries, especially somebody of your caliber, really should be having more galleries representation. That's my, I, I think it actually takes you up to that next level. I mean, to allow you to do these big pieces that you say are hard to sell or you don't find audience. I think there's an audience. I'm just not sure that you've found the right place to find that audience. You know, the world's right. great. I don't do that work either. I don't do that. Um, I don't look for that. I've never done that. I've always just created, did the exhibit and took it down and, and keep on trucking. And I, I don't know. I think, um, I don't know why, but I don't, it doesn't bother me having such a large um, And we lost her. <laughs> her iPad oh, went. There she is. Now you're back. I see you. Sorry about that. Uh -huh. <laughs> that was my. That she, was one of my best friends calling me. Oh. Penny Singer. So. Who was it? Penny Singer. She's a fashion designer. Oh, very nice. Hi, Penny. Well, no, she. I. I didn't. Yeah. No, I know. When she, when she comes to hear this podcast, she's gonna go. Yeah. Oh my God, that was in. <laughs> So anything else? We're kind of actually kind of at that end of the podcast anyway, but is there, I know we've done, we've done like an over and That's hour. great. I was really worried about like dead time or like, no dead you know, time I was worried that. There's I wasn't literally gonna... no dead time with you. I can see that ever, <laughs> ever. <laughs> so, okay. Well, I have to tell you that um, I watched a lot of your podcasts. Oh, good. Because I was really worried and I was like concerned about how, you know, I just was like, I got to know this guy. Yeah, well, who's the, who's I talked to this guy. Right. And, and I just really learned that you're extremely smart. And, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, I have to laugh because, <laughs> you know, I don't know if I'm that smart, but I really enjoy doing these. And I've, I get a, I really enjoy getting back to my New Mexico roots. You know, I feel like I'm transported right back to Hamas. I'm right there with you. I wish I were, actually. I really wish I were. You can show you the, the site. Awesome. Do you want to see the window? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's see. We're going to flip this around. I do want to see it. I don't know if we'll be able to see out, but we're going to. Yeah, you oh, yeah. will. Oh, yeah. I like this. Oh, yeah. Look see, there's at that. my garden. Oh, yeah. That's a big garden. Oh, yeah. I know. That's and why that's I just. This is the Pueblo. Yes. Yeah. Put your face back up. I want to take a picture of this. <laughs> okay. Like right there. This is, yeah. I'll put this on my Facebook actually, because I think that's just wonderful. Oh my gosh. It's, oh, <laughs> I want to be in New Mexico. Miss, it's fun. I miss Nuevo yeah. Mexico very much. So yeah, I, we were supposed to do this live in, at SAR, but you know, we got the pandemic, you know, the governor shut it down. So we had to switch it. Anything you would tell younger Pueblo artists or any artists that are thinking about going into the field, uh, especially, you know, pottery making? You know, it's, a, it's, it's, a hard, it's a hard way to go. Well, I, I guess, oh my gosh, you know, it's worth it, but it's worth it so many years later. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I, you know what, whether you're going to be an artist or not, whether you're going to make a living or not, it's just traditional knowledge is, is irreplaceable. It's, it's, there's nothing more worth than traditional knowledge. And, and the, the, the tribe is very rich in traditional knowledge uh, from, you know, making regalia to building ovens to cooking is our new big thing. I mean, 
cooking Pueblo food is a big thing here, but pottery can be that big thing as well. And um, I, I do see a, a decline in younger artists, but um, I think maybe uh, with some help of other um, artists in the community, we can get something going. And I, I'd love to get something going. I'm always inviting anybody over to work and, and learn what I know. You know, I don't know everything, but I'll, I'll definitely teach you everything. I, I can believe that. I can tell you would give all the information you could. And you know what? That's why you're a living treasure. Oh, thank you. You are. Well, I love your work and I'll look forward to seeing it on the Swaya live thing, which goes, I think they're going to start putting things up August 1st. So you're behind. <laughs> I, I'm only going to have my website and some content until yeah. the market weekend. Yeah. I'm going to not put things on until that Saturday. Yeah. 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 It's going to be a shame to miss it. I know, but it's going to be interesting. And I think it will, this new virtual uh, world that Swaya is going to really through Kim's guidance is really going to change and for the better, I think uh, the way Swaya functions and helps native artists. I really do believe that. I'm super excited. We have a great leader right now. She's, she's ready to go. And it's as super smart. As soon as they they tried to do anything at all, I was like, yes, you know, <laughs> this, this is my organization. I yeah. mean, I'll, I, I'm there and I'm not going anywhere. So, yeah. Right. I'm well, I'm going to look forward to seeing a virtual Indian market because I haven't missed an Indian market in almost 30 years. So it's going to be. Well, I'm, you won't miss this one either. No, I'm not going to. I'm going yeah. to be there. Yeah. Me either. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know how long I've been going since I was 20. I think my first year was 25. Yeah, so 23 years. 23 years, yeah. Did the math. <laughs> You're good at numbers. <laughs> All right, Kathleen. Well, thank you so much. You're a delight. I can't wait to meet you in person. Uh, maybe I, when we, this is, they let us back on to the Pueblos, which is whenever, two years, one year and a half, whatever. I'll come up and visit you at Hamas. Studio visits are my life. I love them. So All right, very good. Welcome. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank All right. You. We'll we'll talk soon. Bye-bye.